This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod. Omnipod is, of course, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. This is episode 80. 8-0. We have done 80 episodes of the podcast. Coming up on 100. Coming up on a milestone for downloads. Coming up on a... I'm pretty proud of this thing. It's going good. All right, ready? Let's play the music, and then I'll tell you about who's going to be on the show. Okay, I've tried to record the opening for this six times now. Once Arden CGM beeped. Once Basil, uh, he snored into the microphone pretty much. Once I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, one time my mouth was dry and I had to uh, take a drink. And this time it's going to work. <clears throat> Here I go. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is with Gretchen. Gretchen is the mom of two little girls. One of them, Virginia, is 10 years old and was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes about a year ago. Now, we really need to give Gretchen props because she wanted to be on the podcast so badly that she did it during her lunch break at work from her car. So every once in a while, there's a couple of weird noises, but you know what? This is persistence. This is wanting to be on the Juice Box Podcast. So Gretchen, thank you so much for sharing your story. Don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. And I can't believe I made it through this intro without something falling in the house. My name is Gretchen. Um, I am a wife. Uh, my husband Scott and I have been married for just about 16 years now, but we have known each other since we were infants. Um, and then we have two little girls who are honestly just the most amazing people that I have ever met in my life. Um, and I am sort of shocked that they're actually related to me. Um, but our youngest daughter, her name is Morgan. She's going to be turning eight in just a couple of weeks. And our oldest daughter is Virginia. She just turned 10 and she'll be entering the fifth grade. And she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes last July. Okay, so we're almost exactly a year and a month. And um, what, was the, what was the presentation? Was it classic or... Yeah, so our, so we are really fortunate that she had a very slow onset. So um, in reality, I started seeing symptoms of the disease in probably April of 2015. Um, and I do work in the healthcare industry. So um, because of the, the nature of my job, I am familiar with the signs of diabetes. And I remember talking to a couple of my coworkers in probably April and saying, I think Virginia has diabetes and we talked about it and we all just kind of concluded that I was overthinking things that, um, you know, it's just, it, it was just something other than, than what it looked like. Um, but in May I contacted her pediatrician because it was around the time of her birthday. So we were going to do just an annual checkup. And I talked to the doctor a couple of days beforehand, you know, and said like, we were legitimately concerned about our child. And I said, I want this on your radar before you see her so that you're aware of what my concerns are, but please know I will not discuss this in front of my child. Mm. And so I told her that, you know, my husband and I had noticed that, you know, Virginia was drinking a lot of water, but we had also rationalized that because Virginia is the queen of the stall tactic. So it made complete sense to me that when I'd say, do your homework, I need a drink, get ready for bed, I need a drink, feed the dog, I need a drink. <laughs> it, she was obviously just doing that to make me crazy. Virginia, get a drink of water. Um, and Hold then because on. she drank. I've got to get exactly. a drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. 
Um, but then because she was drinking all the time, she was peeing all the time. Um, so that made sense. Um, but I also thought that she might be losing weight. And Virginia has always been a very lean child. Um, and so, you know, just looking at her, I could see it. Our bathroom scale said she was losing weight, but our bathroom scale is a piece of junk. And I know when I get on it, you know, I had to add five pounds to it. So, you know, that my weight was even close to accurate. So, you know, that maybe she just kind of crossed that threshold where now we need to start adding weight to the scale for it to be right. You know, so the pediatrician listened to me and she said, okay, dear, you know, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. So we took her into the office um, and sure enough, she had lost two pounds from her eighth appointment to her ninth appointment. And, you know, the doctor did the rest of the exam, sent my daughter out of the room and turned and looked at me and said, you're crazy. There's nothing wrong with your child. Oh. And yeah, so, Great. Um, so we, yeah, so we talked about it and, you know, I, I asked, you know, why she felt that way because you have all these classic signs and she got out Virginia's growth chart. And so what's interesting from the doctor's perspective is that when Virginia was born, she weighed all of four pounds ounces. Mm -hmm. And she was very slow to grow. And she didn't actually hit the growth chart for her until she was two. And then she was at the fifth percentile. And somewhere over the years, she'd had a growth spurt and she had gone up to the 20th percentile for her weight. But with this two pound weight loss, she was back down at the fifth percentile. And so the doctor rationalized that this was just very normal for Virginia. So at nine, yep. At nine years old, she weighed 48 pounds and the doctor felt that was normal for her. And she said, like, look at you, look at your husband, you're tall, you're lean, like, it's fine. Um, don't overthink it. And I said, like, if I hadn't raised any concerns, would you be remotely worried? And she said no. So I was like, all right, like, let's just do blood work, just to double check, ruled out, you know, whatever. So she gave me the script, but because my pediatrician told me that my child was fine, I put off the blood work. And we watched this get progressively worse. And we kept sitting there saying, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. And for whatever reason, I just didn't understand the urgency in getting the blood done. And so I was going to say, let me ask you a question. So going back to the beginning of it, you and some colleagues are sitting around people who all understand what diabetes is. Mm -hmm. And you come to the conclusion that you're crazy. Um, Is that conclusion because it's a bunch of moms that are hoping that their kids don't have diabetes in the same space talking about it? Or did you come to, or did you come to academic conclusions that said, maybe I'm seeing things like when you look back on it, what do you think got you out of that first conversation? Because then it seems to happen again after, after, I mean, listen, the doctor told you you were crazy and belayed your fears, which is fantastic, but you still had the script and you've been thinking about it for months, right? So like, I'm just looking for what the, I'm not telling you you did anything wrong. I'm saying, What's the component of, like, what slowed you down from from acting, I guess, both times? Well, so there is a slight possibility that I might be a little bit crazy. Um, but I think that, <laughs> you, you know, thought I you think got a like good this, diagnosis. You were like, yeah, right. I was like, no, no, that's a really good point. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's kind of the typical mom thing where, you know, you just you sometimes are hyper vigilant and you know we just it, it just i did i think for me part of it was denial right mm-hmm. and so i didn't want it to be diabetes um and even before you know we got the actual diagnosis like i thought i had a good baseline understanding of this disease but i didn't it really wasn't rooted in reality right. and so you know i i i understood i got it but i i didn't get it so I'm um, going to so draw I, a parallel for you for a second that might seem a little obtuse and maybe a little distasteful, but 
I think it's yeah. very, I think it's very specific to to the, our time in the world right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I can watch the news my whole. I'm in my mid forties. I can watch the news my whole life and hear that a man got shot by the cops and he died, or a, or two guys got into a fight over a woman and one of them shot the other guy and blah blah blah. But all of a sudden, a month ago, someone pulled out their cell phone camera and showed me what it meant to get shot in the chest. Yep. And and I until then, I was just painting a picture in my head of what I thought that was. And now I have been forever changed by the visual recognition that it meant so much more than how I understood it. Even though I was, again, intellectually understanding that when I get shot in the chest, blood comes out and I die. But to see it, it was a completely oh, different thing. It just it just changed everything, and for me, for that understanding of that, and I really think that what you're saying is in the same is in fact very very similar. That you can completely understand diabetes frontwards to back from a book, and until you live with it, you don't understand the parts that nobody can explain to you that they probably don't even know. Yeah, and I think that I mean I think that's true with general right. Like people can tell you that when you have a child, it's going to change your life forever. But you really don't understand what that means until they put that baby in your arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The 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 being... and what it means to be twenty four seven. And Gretchen, you broke up. I cannot hear you at the moment. No, you did too. No, okay. Well, then I that, heard you. That's, right. that's good news <laughs> then. Um, what it means to have a baby twenty four seven. You said, and then, and I and I completely agree. And t- you know. You again, you can cognitively think about it the whole time, you know, like the whole, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna care for this baby with everything that I am. It's gonna, it's gonna bubble yeah. up. But until, until you're, you know, in your mid 20s and the first time a movie comes out that you really, really wanna see and you just go, it doesn't matter. We have the baby. We can't go. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, hey, it's Saturday morning and I'd like to sleep past 5 right. 30, right? Like, you know, and so, I mean, it's just, it's the difference. And I, I really think that I just didn't. I just didn't get it. And I really, and I think it's that whole, you know, like when I was in college, my mom would always tell me, you know, to make sure that I was campus in the middle of the night because I could get attacked. And I, I was always like, I knew it could happen to me, but I didn't really think it was going to. And so I think it's a lot of kind of more that where it's like, I knew that could be it, but I really didn't think that that was it. So we finally got the blood work done. And I, again, like kind of being a bit oblivious to the process, um, took her in, got the blood work done on a Friday. And by the following Wednesday, I hadn't heard anything from the pediatrician. So I finally called the office and just said, hey, you know, just looking to see if the results are back. And the doctor called me back late on Wednesday night and, you know, asked if my daughter was fasting for the blood work. And I told her, you know, to be very honest, I didn't know because I hadn't been home in the morning. I had gotten up, went to the gym told her what time to be ready, told her not to drink, told her not to eat, but I wasn't physically there. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I trust my child, but I, you know, I, I don't know because I wasn't there. And she said, all right, because there's some red flags. Um, so her morning blood sugar was over 330. Her triglycerides were twice as high as they should have been. And she had high cholesterol. So I have to ask you, what do you think? And I know this would just be us guessing, but what could I possibly eat before the blood test to make my blood sugar over 300 if my pancreas is working. I, I can't imagine. 
Right. And so, you know, and I think, and because I would talk to my husband about it after I got off the phone, I was like, do you think maybe she like snuck a lollipop? Because that's not eating or drinking. That's just a lollipop. You know, it's like, so maybe like she was able to kind of manipulate that in her head to think that that was okay. And so we sat her down and we asked her if she'd had anything and she swore she hadn't. But I had told the doctor I wanted to repeat the blood work and I would make sure she was fasting. And I said, but I also want the A1C. And so we took her back on a Thursday, got the blood work redone. Um, and then I took her to the mall and let her buy anything she wanted because I felt really guilty. Um, and then Friday afternoon, the pediatrician called me and she said, Gretchen, I am so sorry to tell you this by phone. She said, but I know you and I know you're going to want to act on this as soon as possible. She said, but the blood sugar is still over 220 and her A1C is 16.4. And in that moment, I am pretty certain that the earth shifted on its axis just a little bit because it dropped me to my knees and I truly did not know what to do. And so and I told her, like, I, I don't know what it means and I don't know what to do now. And so her response to me in the moment was, you need to get her seen within a week. Oh, and I, geez, it's funny now knowing what you know, if you were her in that situation, would you give that person a week? No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Is this, so is this so anyway, still your so, doctor, by the way, I have to ask. No, it, it actually took me six months to kind of process and having some conversations with other people where, where people are like, Hey, are you still seeing her? And what really was kind of like the final rational piece that clicked in and especially like once life calmed down a little bit, cause I couldn't manage any more change. She's also an emergency room physician. And so I'm like, okay, you're an ER doc. And if I had brought in a child with a blood sugar of 330 and an A1C of 16.4, like you don't see that as in a medical emergency. Like I, I couldn't process it. I couldn't get beyond it. Yeah. And so it was just at that point of time, you know, the trust is broken. And so now, you know, you, you dismissed it initially. The response was bad when the diagnosis finally came through, you know, whatever. So I started making phone calls on Friday afternoon to try to see who could get her in first. Um, and everybody was gone because it was Friday afternoon. And so I left voicemails for people and then proceeded to send my daughter to two birthday parties over the weekend where there was cake and pizza and ice cream and everything that like, again, in hindsight, I'm like, wow, like I, we are so fortunate and so lucky that nothing happened in the course of that 48 hours. Um, but Monday morning, I got a call from one of the local hospitals and, you know, the nurse had said, Hey, tell me what's going on. I ran through everything with her. And she was like, yeah, you need to get to the emergency room right now. And I was like, no, no, I just need an outpatient appointment. And she was like, no, she needs to be admitted to the hospital right now. And, you know, it's kind of that epiphany where it's like, wow, like, okay, you know, this really is like, this is really bad. Um, so then we scrambled and she was actually at summer camp playing basketball. We pulled her off of a basketball court, um, you know, and took her to the hospital. And, you know, as much as I say that when the doctor told me the A1C, I felt like the earth shifted for her on that day when we took her to the hospital, her entire world flipped upside down. Do you tell her? Um, and so it, I'm sorry. I'm interested to know when you tell her, do you tell her when she's coming <laughs> off the basketball court in the car on the way? Do you let the doctor do it? Where was your mind right then? Well, so the way that we should, so I deal with hypoglycemia and so she has heard me over the years say, Oh, my blood sugar's low. And you should see me grab a juice or, you know, do something like that to get, 
my blood sugar to pop back up. So what we told her at camp was just that, you know, the test results had come back and she had too much sugar in her blood and we needed to go see a special doctor. And so we got to the hospital and I said, oh, hey, by the way, we have to go through the emergency room to see this doctor. And she just kind of went with the flow and went with the process. And, you know, her, her comment to me, though, when we were walking into the hospital, because um, she had her little stuffed sea turtle on her arm and she was holding my hand and she said, mom, whatever you do, just don't let them ambush me with needles. And I said, okay, baby, I won't. You know, what do you, you know, it's coming down the road. So we go into the hospital, like there's tons of people coming in and out. And, um, uh, it, we just, we kind of went with the flow and started doing the insulin and eventually they moved her upstairs to a room where she was going to be for a few days. Um, and at some point of time, I guess, you know, cause I was in and out talking to doctors in the hallway or talking to nurses in the hallway. Um, cause there were just things that I didn't want her to hear me saying to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that somewhere during the day that one of the endos had told her that this was diabetes. So we spent most of the night binge watching American Ninja Warrior um, and we we're sitting in the hospital room the first night. And she said, Mama, she's like, am I going to get uh, am I going to get a roommate? And I was like, I don't know, babe. I said, maybe if there's you know, another kid with diabetes. And she got really quiet and she said, diabetes, is that what I have? And I said, yeah, baby, it is. And she paused for a minute. And she said, well, am I type one or am I type two? Wow. And I said, I, yeah, I said, I don't know, babe. I said, the test results haven't come back yet, but, you know, we really think that you're type one. And she said, well, which one is worse? And I said, neither one of them is worse. They're just different. She was like, okay. So that was kind of her, it was me screwing up and like having it just fall out of my mouth. Um, but, you know, she knew enough to know that there were different types um, but then the next night when she was FaceTiming with one of her friends, she was like, I am so glad that I have type one because I can still eat pizza, you know, because in the hospital, they kept telling her like, you can still like, this doesn't limit you. Oh, and is, that, is, that, is that basil? I think someone knocked at the door. Give me a half a second. I'll be right back sure. to make this stop. Oh my God! <laughs> is that is that basil that or was, is that the dog that, that was, never barks? That was the dog that never barks. So <laughs> something something creaked somewhere, and he's a little older now than he used to be. <laughs> he just oh, oh, there's there's some oh I see what's going on. There's someone outside. Um, uh, we, we had some work work done at the house, um, and the guy's following up probably and making yeah. a ton of noise. Um, so hopefully I won't have to pause this for a minute and literally go out and tell the guy please stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> Um, just go to, go to an early lunch. You'll yeah, be fine. Exactly. Come back later. So, you know what I wanted to say to you that I thought was really interesting. I hope I can get this out is that when you, when she comes into the hospital, it's such an interesting thing that what she's really in that moment concerned with, you know, she thinks hospital, Oh, I got it. I hope nobody pokes me with a bunch of needles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not a deeper thing than that. When children are, are presented with these, these new realities, it's sometimes we give them more understanding of the world than they actually have. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So she's going in there just being like, I hope nobody pokes me with anything. And, yeah. Well, and, you know, 
part of that was my fault though too because when we did the repeat blood work I was like by god she's not eating or drinking anything and because of that she was fairly dehydrated by the time they tried to do the blood work mm-hmm. so they stuck her with a needle and nothing came out because she was so dehydrated and uh so it was like that was very traumatic and very recent for her And, you know, and I told her, I said, like, I won't let them do anything to you unless you know about it ahead of time. And so even like during the night when they were coming in every three hours and testing her blood sugar, you know, they wanted to let her sleep through it. And I was like, no, like I told her that nothing would happen without her knowing and you're not touching her until she knows it. So, you know, we had no sleep at all in the first few nights, but that was my commitment to my child was that you are going to be engaged in this process and no one will do anything without you knowing and understanding and having the opportunity to ask questions or to have, you know, your, your moment about it, because this is her life, um, you know, and it's her body and, you know, she's old enough. And I think that's, you know, when I listen to you talk about um, Arden's story, over the time, you know, having a child, I think there's a difference between having someone diagnosed when they're two and you really like she's not going to have the same voice in the process that a nine year old does. Um, and so for me, that's important is to make sure that yeah, she, she has a say and she understands what's this, going on. because this is this is her diabetes and this is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was, um, I mean, that even played into when we were deciding what pump, um, because we were down to the animus, animus ping and the Omnipod. And to her, like she wanted the animus pain and I'm going through all of the reasons why, you know, we should consider the Omnipod. And at the end of the day, for me, it was kind of six of one half dozen of another, you know, on which, which was the right choice. Like I could have gone either way, Okay. but you broke up. Babysitter has type one. Gretchen, I'm sorry. Your baby, you just broke up. Um, the babysitter has type one. So how'd that affect you? Now you're gone. It was really, for me. It was kind of. Oh, now is the, back? Fo- is the phone moving around? Um, it is sitting on my lap, so it's possible that as I'm shifting around, it's moving with me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, like try sticking it up on the dashboard. By the way, Gretchen's but in I her just car. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that any better? That it is. Yeah, it might be. We'll say. So I'm sorry. Okay. So you said that, right. that, that there was a deciding factor because you had something about a baby. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we, I mean, for me, it was six of one has to know the other. For her, her babysitter um, also has type one and wears an animus ping. And her school nurse has children of her own who are on the animus ping. And so for her, that felt safe because that's what other people she knew wore. And from my perspective, too, from a parent, like that was kind of a pro that I have a babysitter who's familiar with this device. And I have a school nurse who's familiar with this device. Um, And so, you know, and I told my husband, I said, you know, because of where she's at from an age perspective, too, um, you know, if, if, if that's her preference and that means that she's going to be more compliant in managing her diabetes, like, I think that's significant. And so, you know, and it came in pink. And so how do you say no to, to pink, you know, <laughs> but so yeah, I mean, in that, that, in that situation, too. that just makes so much sense. Even if you really thought Omnipod was right. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, like you said, there's a lot of people around her doing this. She gets a lot of comfort out of that. And if for, yep. no, if for no other reason, that's a great reason. Well, and that's what and I keep telling her, too, because I'm like, I know people who wear Omnipod and I can introduce you to them. And, you know, there's a lady at my gym that I saw the other day and I told her I was like, I appreciate because she wears hers on the back of her arm. I was like, I like just know that I appreciate that you wear it in a place that's visible because that helps my daughter 
see this and know that number one, other people do wear Omnipod and number two, that she's not alone. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it and that's kind of been one of the biggest factors for her is yeah. Yeah. So, so how does that work out with her? Um, with the babysitter, for instance, and there being people in your life that have type one already, do you get a lot of, um, direction and comfort from those people or are you finding it more online or, or where are you finding your community at, I guess? So that's actually a really great question. So I'm going to say when, when she was initially diagnosed, um, I probably found more comfort in the online communities because, you know, I could connect with other parents who had children and, you know, the people in my life. So number one, the babysitter to kind of go back to her, um, she was actually the counselor for my youngest daughter at camp last summer. And my youngest daughter was walking with her through the park when, when her sister was in the hospital. And she was like, Amy, can I tell you a secret? And Amy said, yeah, of course you can. And she said, my sister has diabetes. And Amy said, well, can I tell you a secret? And she said, yeah. She said, I have diabetes too. And Amy ended up being my daughter's biggest advocate at her summer camp because we had a lot of problems with the summer camp. Um, and so she just, you know, they asked her, I said, when camp is done, like, are you interested in babysitting? And so um, Amy is incredible because she's young. She has her head on her shoulders um, and she's such an incredible example for my daughter where, you know, if there are things that like, you know, my daughter says, I don't know what to do about this. And I'm upset about that. You know, things that like, I can't answer because I, I just don't get it. I don't know. Like I'll tell her, like, you need to call Amy and talk to Amy, you know, cause she's like, I don't know what to do with my pump when I'm on a trampoline because it hurts if I belly flop. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you about that. Like call Amy and see what Amy tells you to do. Yeah. And Amy's like, Amy gets it and Amy can relate. And they text each other some mornings and compare what their, you know, their morning BGs are. So in that regards, it's been, it's been good. Um, you know, I will say too, though, that I found that, you know, when we were initially talking to people about our daughter's diagnosis, there's kind of this perception that, you know, it's just diabetes, right? So if it's people who don't deal with this on a day-to-day basis, you know, the response is, well, you know, be glad it's just diabetes. Yeah, they're very you willing know? to write it off like it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they, they don't understand like we spoke about earlier. Yeah, it's just, it is it is nonstop. And, you know, it's like, I've even quit counting the number of times I've actually slept through the night since her diagnosis, because, you know, I manage it 24 hours a day. And even when she's sleeping, you know, I'm either responding to alarms or waking up to see if I've missed an alarm. And, um, you know, so it's just that people, people don't get it. And so I kind of felt, you know, from, and I was, as many people as I do know, for some reason, I was kind of hesitant to reach out to them, Um, and so I really, I gravitated towards the online community and connecting with people, um, either through Facebook or, um, you know, just, just different, different sites online. Yeah. 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 Um, and actually that's, I don't even remember what I Googled or what I clicked, but that's how I came across your podcast. And, you know, I, I think too, like when your child is diagnosed with, this disease, there is a period of mourning that you go through. Like I grieved for the life that my daughter was supposed to have. And I grieved for what this meant for her. And I remember one day and thinking like, nobody gets it. Nobody understands what I'm going through. And I was sitting in the gym one day and I was listening to one of the podcasts and you were talking about um, Arden's seizure when she was really young. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm sitting in the middle of the gym, bawling like a baby, because it was like, oh, my God, like, here's someone who understands my fears, my concerns, and who, frankly, has walked some of the paths that I never want to have to walk with this. And so it was kind of that where people were very willing to share and connect and support and, you know, information sharing and, and things of that nature. Um, and then, you know, too, and, and I didn't realize my school nurse, um, you know, had a connection with it. We actually went through our first year without a 504 because um, I knew my daughter was safe and I knew that the school was going to be supportive and taking care of her. Um, next year, I'm going to put in a 504 because my nurse left um, after the end of the school year. Um, you know, but so there's we've been very fortunate in a lot of regards to have. You know, I think either just from the time that we live in, you know, the online community that's available. Um, but also just the people that happen to be in our life, um, you know, whether it's people who I know through work who are impacted by this disease or from a babysitter who happened to be my daughter's, you know, counselor um, and a school nurse. So, you know, at this point of time, we've got really good support. And, you know, I've, I've talked to coworkers who said that now that they've kind of watched me you know, manage this over the course of the first year, like they have a different appreciation for what it is, because, you know, you leave the hospital and you, they give you this little chart that says, you know, if the BG is this and the carbs are that, then you dose this. And, you that know, it never seems, works. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what, well, so the problem was, is it did work when we first left. Okay. And then all of a sudden it didn't work. And I am very much like a math and science kind of person. Like that's just the way my brain works. Art is like this foreign concept for me. And I remember like going back to my diabetes educator and being like, well, this is wrong. Like this isn't working and I'm getting annoyed. And she said, yeah. So like the management of this is an art and a science. And I was like, ah, oh, crap, I'm screwed. <laughs> right? Like science I'm good with the art piece, not so much. Um, you know, but we do use the Dexcom. Um, we got onto that fairly quickly. And that part of it, like I'm starting to, I've always been really aggressive in the way that we manage her and the way that we dose insulin. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of starting to figure out now, like the flip side, like I'm, I'm very quick to throw on, um, you know, an additional 50% or a hundred percent for her basal. It just like literally within probably the last three months occurred to me that when she's dropping that I can back the basal off too. Uh, and to see how that kind of, of a pump. That, that's, that's the absolute best part is to be able to do it. So this morning, um, before I came down to talk to you, Arden's, uh, I went into Arden's room, uh, her blood sugar kind of took a dip. She's sleeping in and her blood sugar mm -hmm. took a dip. I tested her in her sleep. She was, uh, she went from like 80 to 50 kind of out of nowhere. I'll tell you how I handled that low blood sugar in just a moment. But first a word from our sponsor, Omnipod. Okay, people, let's get right down to it. You want an insulin pump that doesn't have tubes on it. You don't know if you do, but you think you might. How are you going to know for sure? Well, you need a demo pod, a free, non-functioning, no obligation demo pod from Omnipod. How do you get it? You go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo and they send you one. I think maybe you type in five words. It's like your name, your address, and I guess your zip code and one other thing. And boom, free non-functioning demo pod comes. You stick it on yourself wherever you think maybe is right. Maybe you look online, see where other people are doing it. Look at the instructions they send with it. Gosh knows, you put it right in the middle of your forehead, which by the way, is not, uh, uh, you can't do that. By the way, don't put it on your forehead. Uh, but nevertheless, you're gonna see what it's like to wear it. You're gonna think, hey, this is pretty cool. I like that I just walked past this cabinet and did not get any tubing caught on the handle from the cabinet. I bet you this would be a great way to get my insulin every day. And you'd be right. And then you're on your way. Freedom, ugh, bolusing. 
uh, making small adjustments to meal times, uh, increasing, decreasing your basal rate, you know, to stop a, a small low or, or to affect the high. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, you know, props to people who can handle their diabetes with multiple daily injections. I am not one of those people. I need the Omnipod to make the fine adjustments to my daughter's blood sugar that uh, helps me keep her A1C where it is. And so if you want to see what it's all about, it's myomnipod.com forward slash demo. I do not think you'll be disappointed. At the very least, it's a free demo. Free. Free means no money. So it really, it costs you nothing. Give it a try today. Click on the links in the show notes or go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo to get started. All right, let's find out what I did with that low blood sugar and continue to talk to Gretchen, who by now is overheating in her car. Yeah. So she was 54. I shut her basil off for a half an hour and she drank like a few sips of juice in her sleep. And now she's like 112. Yeah. And, and, but I think just the juice wouldn't have done it. And, and yeah. so it was, yeah, being able to manipulate the, the basil is just such a big deal. And especially going the other way is, is fantastic. Yeah. I had, well, a, and I, good. I was going to say, I was kind of waiting because we just had our one year checkup and I was waiting for the diabetes educator to like, look at my data and be like, you know, you're using too many basils because I've found that it really depends on who you're talking to from, you know, the office, if they think that temp basils are okay or they're not okay. And some people say like, you know, if you're running temps all the time, then you obviously need to change the settings. And I'm like, well, no, because, you know, maybe the next today day that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, maybe today she ate something that caused her to spike. And so like I threw on some extra basil just to slow it down. Here's why, um, I, here's so, why I disagree with what they, with, what, if people would say that, because <clears throat> When you stop and think about how the artificial pancreas works, it's not a lot of boluses that move blood sugars down with artificial pancreas. It, those <laughs> algorithms are using a lot of temp basils to just slightly manipulate your blood sugar. You, you yeah. Know, you're trying to keep you in one spot, and if you start drifting up, then the other spot. I've started to talk about it a little bit here, but I'm starting to pay attention on the – since you have a Dexcom, on the three-hour graph – at yep. the very end of the line, uh, you know, where you are in the, in the, you know, the immediate now, I guess, there's slight bends that show in that line. And I'm starting to basil for those bends. Yeah. And, and I'm having a lot of luck with that. So, you know, you know, I think, you're, I think when you're bolusing too much, that's an indication your basal rates aren't right. Yeah. You know, well, that's we, yeah. we just started like playing with some of our numbers because, you know, the transition from school and both of the kids are in summer camp just because of our work schedules. Mm -hmm. And so trying to figure out like, OK, how to how to switch from the school setting to the camp setting. And, you know, like we did, we when looking at the data, like she had to have had a growth spurt or something a while back because she was running high. And I really expected it to just completely jack up our when she had her last checkup um, and then like I finally got ahead of that and had it all tweaked and like wasn't having any hypos and very few hypers you know and it all like it looked really good and then like all of a sudden the growth spurt or whatever it was ended and now like she's in the 40s back. and the 50s yeah. and and it's like you know come on like work with me for like a good six months right <laughs> like figure something out and level out and just be cool yeah, it doesn't work um, that way at all yeah yeah I've been yeah. talking I've been talking to a newly diagnosed mom a lot I'm helping her switch to a pump. I'm making her adjustments and everything kind of privately. And yep. then she was going along okay. And then all of a sudden she's like, why is this spike in the middle of the night happening out of nowhere? And, 
And I said, maybe it's good news. Maybe she's getting bigger. Like I tried to think of it that way. Like it's good yeah. news. She's growing, you know, and yeah. but it doesn't feel like good news for the four days you're up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you haven't slept at all, that's what I have to be comatose half the time. Um, but, and I think too, like I, I think my daughter is still in the honeymoon phase because our insulin levels haven't changed significantly since the time of diagnosis, but they're starting to creep up now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of it too. So like last night we put her to bed and I think she was like 99, which was a little bit low for where I would want her to be considering when she had bolus last. So I had put on, I think I reduced the basal by 50 or 90% or something just to try to drift her up a little bit. And the next thing I know, she's, I think she was like 64 and double arrow down. And I mean, it was within a matter of maybe 15 minutes. And my experience with my daughter and the Dexcom is that when she's below 70 and we're double arrow down, her blood sugar is already usually 20 to 30 points lower than where the Dexcom is at. And so, you know, that's last night was just one of those nights that like there was you just you're happy when the night's over so that you're supposed. I'm sorry. So that um, because it just kept like it would cruise along and then just bottom. Oh. Uh, I forget what I said, Scott. Uh, but you were dro- so it was it looked good, then it would drop. Oh yeah, it, it was like it should, then- yep, she'd be cruising. And I I wonder if that's not like you know the pancreas just kind of jumping off off of the bench and running into the game when you're not ready for it. You know, so I think that that it's just kind of at the point that I think it's probably stopping and i think that part of that might be that there are times that it just really kicks in and works well and times that we're just on our own oh my god (laughs) i guess now the guy is actually walking up to my door what is he doing this is hold on oh my gosh hold on one second Okay, Gretchen, the good news is apparently if someone ever tries to break into my house, they're not getting in. <laughs> so, but the bad news is, is if I, my dog, somebody working outside at my house and the dog is just like, kill it. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we have two dogs and one of them is like she is our early notification system for, you know, FedEx or UPS mm-hmm. or anything. And the other dog is, so she's a puppy, first of all, so maybe she'll kind of gain some sort of sense of awareness when she gets older but man she just she either doesn't care or she's just clueless um and so i (laughs) like if she could talk she'd be like hey gretchen someone was here earlier they stole the television i just want to let you know yeah yeah, yeah. she'd be like hey gretchen somebody stopped by and they want you to give them a call but i don't remember who it was you know like Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, she's a bit of a, she's a bit hyper, but she's a puppy. And uh, when we were driving over together, I looked at my husband and I was like, can we just vocalize that we both know that this is a stupid idea right now? (laughs) And he was like, oh, yeah, totally. Um, But I think our, I think our entire relationship has been based on rash and irrational plans and you know it works for us so we just kind of continue with it kelly said that to me the other day after i told her when they asked for a second dog initially i was like please it's such a bad idea please let's not do that it's a really 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 bad idea no 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 it's gonna be great it's gonna be great i'm like see again you people are saying this because you go to school and you go to work i'm the one here all day i'm like it's a bad no no so now we've had basil for gosh you know like a year and a half and he really is a really great talk, but we were, Kelly and I were like somewhere the other day and she looks at me and she goes, I'm very willing to admit now that we should not have gotten a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, saying. that's what, cause I, I deal, I, my husband, God bless him, man. He does not hear that Dexcom alarm to save his life. Mm-hmm. And so if I have had like too many nights in a row of like zero sleep in order to give me a break, like he'll stay 
up until 3, 3.30 in the morning to monitor the Dexcom alarm if it should go off um, because he knows that I just, I need a break. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so, and I told him too, I was like, I can't be on puppy duty in the middle of the night. Like I will manage the children. You have to manage the dogs. And so, you know, the puppy is getting up, you know, during the course of the night or last night, I don't know what happened. And she wasn't in the crate and I came downstairs and, and I get up at like stupid o'clock. So, you know, I came downstairs and like had to clean up after the puppy because she can't make it through the whole night, especially if she's not in the crate. So I'm like, yeah, this is like, we really did not need this. <laughs> and I don't have the time or the energy to spend like walking them and giving them because the older dog, like she'll play catch until she passes out the puppy will watch the older dog run for the ball and wait until she's like halfway back across the yard with it. And then like tackle the dog. Just go take her from her. Yeah, I, and I was like, I they're, they're sisters. <clears throat> like that's exactly how my children behave. Yeah. So Arden's been, um, her softball practice has ramped up again here in August because they're about to start a state tournament. So they're practicing now every night. And, wow. and so the last two nights I have been awake till like four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, and because her because her blood sugar is good, but it's just it's teetering. Like I, it's not scary low; it's just teetering low. And and so I'm trying to bump it and move it, and it's not working. And last two nights ago, I temp basil off and used juice, and it wouldn't go back up. So then I had to go to food. So now she's like eating in the middle of the night, which is not ever fun. And then that finally worked. But by the time I was comfortable that it actually worked. I was like going to sleep and thinking, I think the sun's coming up. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, oh my gosh. And then, yeah. you know, like eight o'clock, I'm back up again. I'm like, hey, I'm ready to go. It's time yeah, to let's have yeah, some breakfast. live life. Yeah. It's, my husband does the, like, I get up, I leave the house before anybody else is even considered waking up. And so he does the morning routine. And, you know, there's a lot of times that, like, you know, I'll, I'll touch base with them later in the day. And I'm like, it was a really rough night. And if it, if it has been rough, like if I need to, like I can wake him up and he'll, he'll certainly take care of her. But I'm also like, I'm very, like, I need to know and I want to know. And it's very difficult for me to let him manage her. Um, and I was traveling with, um, a friend, um, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I said it was, there was something that happened and, you know, he, he did everything exactly right. And it wasn't what I would have done, but it was kind of that moment of being like, you know, look, like he's, he's fine. He's got this and she's fine. And it's just me being like completely hyper about it. Um, you know, but she, she's, she does great. And it's just, I have to, it was kind of like when she was a baby, you know, like I knew what I could do to get her to stop crying. Um, and he had to figure out his own way to manage it. And I think that that's, you know, that's really kind of similar too, where it's like, you know, we're just, we're going to manage it differently. And, you know, we both have the same goal and that is her health and her safety. Um, and her, and hopefully we can make her happy too. Um, you know, but it's just, I have to be willing to wake him up and let him take care of things. No, for sure. I just, um, just the other day spoke with somebody whose child was very, very newly diagnosed and tried to help him through a couple of things because it was, it's an, in, the, the baby's an infant and it's just, it's hard. Oh. And so as I got off the phone, I said to her, Hey, do me a favor. And she's like, yeah, I said, don't get exhausted. Like you have to lean on someone else. You can't let your yep. sleep, you can't let your sleep get away from you. I said, because it will get away from you and yep. you won't recognize it's happening until it's yeah. way too late, you know? So and it's easier said than done because, like you said, you feel like you have a good way to do it, and you know, yeah. and, it, and that's oversimplification. Too, it's not just because you feel like you know how to take care of a situation. It's because it seems very 
monumentally important every time. You, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not it's not like oh I got her blood sugar, uh, it got a little high. It didn't bother me this time like it did last time. It always gets to you a little bit. Like, you know, like, oh, geez, I can't believe I let this happen. And and it's the wrong way to think about it. But in the moment, that is how you think about it, you, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I get it. It's a it's a big deal. But good for you for trying to find, um, for letting him have his way with it, too, and, and find his way through it. Because that's the only way he's going to understand it, too. You understand it as well as you do because you're more involved in it. Yeah. And then the more involved he is, the better he will get. How is your daughter with it. Um, like, you know, you were saying it's a tough transition from school to, to the summertime. I have the easiest time managing diabetes when Arden's at school because everything's so regimented as to when food happens and, and everything. And people might be upset to hear that, but, but that's the easiest time for me is while she's at school. Yeah. Uh, So how did you, how, how do you make out at school? Like, I know we do the texting and, and we speak if we need to, how have you been doing it? Yeah, well, so for the first year, you know, like I said, we didn't have a 504 and she was going to the nurse um, for everything. And I agree with you because it's scheduled and like changes are very infrequent. Um, And again, like I just I had a great support network through my school. And so I was very fortunate in that regard Um, for her summer camp this year. um, Oh, see, now everything's beeping. I think my daughter's texting me to find out what's a bolus for you lunch. Do, do, go do that. Don't. Yeah, don't do that's it. what I'm doing. I just looked at her. Let's the walk. Dexcom looks we'll, really we'll good. Do, we'll do it together. What's what's her blood sugar on the Dexcom? Her blood sugar on the Dexcom is currently 109 and steady. Very nice. And uh, yeah. is she going to eat right now or is she eating in a little bit? She will probably eat. And so this is, I don't pre-bolus at camp because they're, it is not routine and they mm-hmm. might eat at 1130 and they might eat at 1230. Gotcha. Um, so, and for her, you know, I know what she's having. I think I know what she's having for lunch today. And it's not anything that like I would really want to tap her down for. And like, this is, and this is a pretty good place for us to be starting lunch at right oh, now, especially certain. with the amount of activity that they're going to have. Will you bolus from, um, will you bolus from the Dexcom or will you, um, Will you text? Yeah, I've I've gotten there more so recently, and I think too because so at summer camp, um, you know, I we had a really terrible experience last year with her summer camp, and so you know, again, this is a situation where like the trust has just been irrevocably broken, um, and in hindsight, I kind of wish I would have you know maybe found in home care done something different, but because of because I just don't trust them and I don't want them to touch her and I don't want them involved with her at all unless like, and there's an emergency. Um, you know, I said, you know, I want her to have access to her phone. She has this medical device. I will monitor her. She will text me. I just need the phone numbers of a couple more, um, adults who are at the camp. So if I can't reach her on her phone, like somebody can help me get to my kid. Um, and so the last week or two, um, her morning bolus just hasn't been covering, um, her breakfast correctly. So I've been watching. And so if they're normally going to eat about quarter till 12, um, around like 11 o'clock or so, I'll check the Dexcom. And if she's higher than what she'd like, I'd like her to be, I have her put the Dexcom number into her pump, see what the pump recommends for a correction. And then I do half of the correction that the pump recommends because I know she still has IOB. I know she's being physically active. And so we've learned that if we do that half of a correction based off the Dexcom, normally when she's going into lunch and testing, she's somewhere between like 85 and 110. So we're just starting lunch in a good spot. So you do, you are getting the art side of it. It's coming. I'm, I'm getting there, yeah. but it's, I, 
I have been resisting the whole way, but it, and it is, and it's like learning how to trust. And I think I've heard you say this before too, where, you know, it's hard because there's times that like the Dexcom has been substantially off. Mm -hmm. And so it's, when do I trust the Dex versus when do I trust the BG? But there are times that like, you know, her BG numbers can be off by 30 points from one finger to another. And so, you know, it's part of it is, you know, if, if her numbers are at the lower end of the range for her, you know, I'll ask her, like, how do you feel? And if she says she feels like she might be a little bit hypo, then we, we take care of the symptoms. And so, you know, it's, it's getting there. And, and I, I was going to say that is my, um, and so, no, I'm so sorry. I talked to, I think there's a little bit of a lag between us and I talked over you. Um, if, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I was just going to say that a 90, on the decks, some if I if I need to pre bolus at ninety and she's not with me, or even when she's with me and Arden's with me, the next question is, how do you feel? You feel okay? Because is this a seventy? And I, you know, or do we test? Or you know, there's just so much, there's so much to it that is your feeling, and to we all find ourselves apologizing about it while we say it, like, oh, I do it like this, but you know, I know I should be doing this, but really, it's working for you that way, very well. Um, yeah, you know, I and haven't counted said, a carb in forever. Honestly. We definitely still count carbs. I'm still very dependent on at least having like an approximation of the carbs. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, I can't like I can't look at something and be like, oh, that's two units. Like I still have to have at least that part of the math piece behind it, mm -hmm. um, you know, to say, OK, it's about this many carbs and that's this much insulin. Um, but it's also just kind of been a learning process to say, you know, if you're at camp and if you're going to eat in about 45 minutes to an hour, like we just need half. Um, but she has actually really enjoyed the transition to camp. Um, because number one, she's not testing as often. And that was part of the agreement that we had with the school was that, you know, she would test at these, that these specific, for these specific reasons. And at camp, I'm kind of more like, yeah, you look good or you look high, you know, like we're, I'm a little more flexible about it. Like I have the option to be more flexible. Um, but she's even came back to me and said, mom, like, I like it this way because I'm with my friends more, you know? And so before, like she was leaving class to go test before gym, she's leaving before lunch, she's leaving before recess, she's leaving if she feels hypo, you know, so there's all these times and it was just too much time out of the classroom. And so next year, um, you know, she really, you know, I've told her, I want you to have access to your phone during class. And she's like, I don't want that. She, and I, you know, I was like, what, like what kid doesn't want access to their cell phone during class? <laughs> and she's like, mom, like, I, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be different. Like, I don't want other people. Cause she, she is not always open, um, about, about telling people about the diagnosis, mm -hmm. um, because of how kids have reacted to her. Um, and she actually, so she is artistic, um, which is completely, from my husband's side of the family. Um, but part of her um, kind of just coping techniques after the diagnosis was that she wrote a story about, you know, being diagnosed in the time in the hospital. And she talks about, you know, when she came home and went back to summer camp and that she started telling other children about the disease. And she said, like, a lot of the boys looked at her like she was a strange new animal in the zoo. And so she learned very quickly that she was going to be very selective about who she told. And, you know, my husband and I were talking about it. His name is Scott, by the way. I keep calling him my husband, but Scott it's and I were talking about it. Scott and it would get confusing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my Scott and I were talking about it. See? And I said, like, one of the things that I actually love about children, you know, her Dexcom is on her arm and now she really doesn't care if people see the devices. Um, but like a kid will come up to her and say, what's that? And she's like, it's my Dexcom. And they're like, oh. And they walk away, you know, so like, yeah, they're not, like, they're okay. not reporters. They don't really care. They're just asking. <laughs> <laughs> they just, 
<laughs> you you asked a question, you got to an answer. And a lot of times kids are like, all right, that's cool. Good enough. Yeah. You know, and then they're like, do you, you want to go play? Um, you know, so it, it's, she likes, she likes being a little bit more independent with it and just being able to spend more time with her friends. And that's, what's really critical for her. If I can say that after just being with this for a year, to me, in this conversation, it sounds like you guys are moving forward quickly and in a positive way in a lot of different avenues. So I think you're doing great. You know, honestly, it sounds like she's figuring out how she's going to handle school. It sounds like after she gets back from camp and really gets her, you know, after camp ends at the end of, of, of the end of, you know, as school starting, she can really say to herself, you know what, maybe I'm not looking to have my phone out a lot in class, but this really did work a lot better. You, you know, yeah. like you'll see how it'll, it'll progress in ways you don't expect it to. You can't plan, you can't plan the whole thing. And so, no, completely. Yeah, yeah. And so, and the, so once she gets back to school and, and starts getting over regimented again and, and she sees it's unnecessary, she's going to be like, all right, so look, if I am willing to pull my phone out in class, what does that mean? And once you tell her she doesn't have to go to the nurse anymore, you, you know, you'd be surprised what she'd be willing to, to, to do that she wasn't willing to do before to get something else that she wants more. You, you know, it just, it ends up yeah. like that. It moves well, on. and I've even, I've even thought about levering technology a little bit more um, because my husband has an Apple watch that he, and I have one too. Neither one of us really wear them. So I don't know why we particularly have them. Um, but if we can get a band that would fit her, where if I do need to text her during class, that instead of, you know, pulling out her phone, you know, she's looking at her watch. And I think she'd have the ability to be a little bit more discreet about it with the watch than she would have phone. But I just, I worry about the technology and the fact that she's a kid. You know, like I even struggle with the fact that like my 10 year old has an iPhone. Um, and I was like laughing because she, you know, she was very like, you know, it's, it's her diagnosis. So she gets to choose who she's going to tell about this diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so we'd be walking through the grocery store and she would see the parents of her friends and they'd be like, how's your summer going? And she's like, I got an iPhone. And I'm like, you can't tell your friends, parents that you got an iPhone because now they're judging me for giving my 10 year old an uh, iPhone. Gretchen, and the reality is, is that you have an thinks. iPhone because you have a Dexcom. You have a Dexcom because you have diabetes. Let's not you know? care what anybody thinks. I, I'm, I, I think maybe if I could lend you one thing after this conversation, it would be a little bit of my who the F cares what anybody thinks. I, I go back and forth with that a lot because there are times that I'm like, I really I don't care. Um, but then I think I am still hypersensitive to perceptions and, um, and, you know, and, and too, like, and I tell people, I'm like, but I, I wouldn't let her have a cell phone, right? Like she doesn't need a cell phone. She's 10 years old. Um, but then honestly too, there are days that like, she just sends me the cutest and sweetest text messages. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm so glad you have a phone because I like, it's like these little treasures that you get. And there's times that she sends them and, you know, she doesn't even know that you needed it, but you know, she's got these cute little messages and, you know, so there's pros and cons to yeah, it. But no, absolutely. Hey, listen, you're you, I'm me. If I had any advice for you, it would be, don't worry about what people think. It just doesn't matter. It, it, you know, it just, you know, if somebody's judging you because you bought their, an iPhone for your kid, I, I, I will tell you this. So Arden is 12. She just turned 12. We got Arden a phone when she was in kindergarten because yep. she was, she was going to be on a bus and we wanted her to be able to contact us if she needed to. And maybe it yeah. was overthinking it. I don't know, but we wanted to get her a cell phone. So we took her to the cell phone store and, you know, very realistically showed her like a $4 flip phone and was like, here, this is what you would do. But we already had iPhones and she yep. was so incredibly confused by the menu system on the flip phone and she couldn't operate the phone. And she was five by the way. And so, yeah. 
but she could pick up our phone and operate it immediately. And so I just said to Kelly, I'm like, whatever, here. And then we just got her an iPhone. Now, I did hear from people once or twice, like, oh, I really appreciate you. It was very sarcastic. It was really great of you to get your five-year-old an iPhone. Now my kid wants one. And I would say to them, oh, shut up. I don't care what you like, just go away. Like, and you're like, yeah, but your kid sleeps through the night all the time. And I you're not up. I you wouldn't know, even, like, Gretchen, I wouldn't even for a second explain myself to someone else. I just was like, you know, I don't care what you think. Go away. Now I don't talk <laughs> to you. Now you're one less. Look, one less Christmas card, Gretchen. I'm saving money everywhere. You understand? <laughs> and so um, and so I just I think that you're doing what you need to do. It's completely reasonable. And for you to yeah. feel like you have to justify your entire life to people, it's just it's wasted energy. You don't have enough. You already have a puppy. And a kid with diabetes, yeah. you don't need to spend time explaining diabetes to people who don't, who don't really yeah. matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know. I hear you. I do hear you. Um, but, you know, but there's, I think there's good opportunity to, to talk to people about, I, I think there's, and I, I know you do this, right? There's time to engage with oh, people sure. and there's times to the just right shake your person. head and walk away. And, the right person. You know, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. completely. And, yeah. I, and I find too, it really depends on how, how rested I am. So, you know, I am for the most part, fairly oblivious to, you know, the way I, I've really not seen people looking at her, um, you know, or, or kind of taking notice, but I remember, and it's been fairly recently that we were out to dinner and, you know, I saw two women who were fairly close to us, who were obviously, you know, looking at the Dexcom and obviously talking about, you know, what, it, you know, you could do, they were just talking about my kid. And, you know, if I had been rested and, you know, I, I totally would engage with some people and just say, you know, Hey, look, this is what that is. Because I, one of the things that I try to do with my children is, you know, I, I don't want them staring at people and pointing. Like, I think yeah, if you, sure. if you ask people a respectful question, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to get a respect answer. And I would really rather someone approach me and say, you know, Hey, I'm just curious. What is that? You know, to, to engage me, but don't, don't point at my child from across the restaurant and talk about her. Cause that's just rude. Um, but I was scared that day and I knew that if I said anything, it was probably going to be way more colorful than it needed to be. And so it was just the right time to just like, I make eye contact going. with them. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I completely, if I see you looking at my kid, I will look you in the eye. I will nod at you and acknowledge that I saw what you were doing and mm. then I'll walk away. Right. Good for you. Yeah. Um, hey, listen, last night at Arden's softball practice, I got there. She was practicing from eight until 10 PM. The the old the older girls in my town are on their way to Oregon to play in the Little League World Series because apparently right. uh, the people in this town really know how to play softball apparently so they're on right. their, and so they're practicing like crazy they're exhausted they've already been through a number of tournaments to win to get to the Little League World Series and I looked to a friend of mine um, whose kid is older than 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 Arden and I said hey you look really tired and he said I am I feel like I have three jobs and he paused and he said I don't know if you've looked in the mirror lately. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you look exhausted too and i was like oh i got, I got a different problem but yeah yeah yeah. you think i look bad yeah, like yeah, you see, yeah no it's the pot calling the kettle black it, it really was so it was it was just you know it to me like i said before i think it sounds like you guys are doing great and 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 it seems like you're on your way and and to start from a 16 a 16 a1c and a year later be in a good place and you're talking about bolusing for a meal at a 109 blood sugar you, yeah. you are, you've come a very long way in a very short time. And this is something I, I really do bring up over and over again when people are like, I'm not sure about technology. The things oh that my gosh, embrace it. The things you figured out in this year and the place mm-hmm. you got to without that technology would take you so much longer to figure out. And yeah. it still would never be as, I don't want to say simple, but it would never be as 
as stable as it is yeah. when, you, when you can see the data. You know? Oh, completely, completely. Yeah. And, and, like, and like I said, I'm, we're, I'm aggressive in the way that I manage it. So if I check her in the morning, and I, I usually leave the house between like 5 and 5.30. So if I check her then and her blood sugar is 115, I might even give her 0.05 just to tap it down that little bit more mm-hmm. to make sure she's in the best place possible when she wakes up and starts her day. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, 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 and and too, like I've told people, like I, I wouldn't know how to parent this without the Dexcom. I mean, I, the pump is, is a very close second for me, but I think, you know, having the, t- the day in which we live and the technology that's available, whether that's the medical devices or the online community, like I feel I'm, I'm you grateful. You got to use what's available and I'm, and yep. I'm grateful yep. for it too. Hey, listen, you know, completely. I, I just looked at Arden's blood sugar. It's 93. She hasn't been more than once she was over 140 once in the last 24 hours and so i'm telling you i've not that good but no but i've managed diabetes without this stuff and i would have you know if you get into a time machine and go back to that i've been like oh arden's blood sugar was only 304 times today i'm doing great you you, you know like like it was it was like that then and so yeah and 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 you don't need to be nobody's that good i'm not better than you at it i just have been doing it longer than you have and yeah. as you gain these experiences, you'll do the same thing. It, it just if you're if you're if you're focused and interested and motivated, and you pay attention to the information that's coming back to you, you can make better decisions. I'm going to use someone else's story without their name, but like, and she's probably going to hear this. But like I said, I've been trying over the past few days to help somebody out translate transfer from shots to a pump with a child who's pretty young, and. So there was this one day we were talking. I said, look, I think we just need to be more aggressive here and to see what happens. And I said, now what might happen might not be positive, but it's okay. We're going to see. And so sure enough, we used too much insulin. The blood sugar got low. It was still falling. She had to scamper around and do like a juice box to stop it and everything. And when we yeah. got done, she was sort of like, hey, well, that wasn't great. And I'm like, no, that was fantastic because now you see – when the blood sugar is here, you put in this much, then this happened. And sure, it didn't go the way we wanted, but now can't you imagine if you would have used half as much, what would have happened? Plus, right. plus, now you've just learned how to stop a double arrow down situation without going high again. I said, you're learning how yeah. to get off the roller coaster right now. But if these kind of, if you just manipulate slowly and you take a 200 and you put on a half a unit and it turns into 180, that doesn't do anything. It also doesn't teach you anything. And, right. so, and so you get this this information back, you know, it's it's impossible to figure out when diabetes is happening to you, like when you're just letting it do what it does and you're witnessing it, you can't figure out why anything happened. But when you right. when you do something, when you swing at it, when you hit it, when you try to force it to do something and it does it, now you know, I did this and this happened. So if I well, do this, this might happen. And that's how you make better decisions, I think. And I think the other thing that's critical there is, you know, having starting to build that confidence in how to respond to hypos. And I think that was the thing that like when we left the hospital, you know, they make you watch this video and they talk about glucagon and, and, you know, all the like super, super bad things that happen. And, you know, because we manage the way that we do, like she does have hypos on occasion, um, but sometimes that's 65 and we're like, all right, like that's not a big deal. And it might be a tablet. It might be a juice box. It kind of depends on, you know, a number of different circumstances. Um, But I've also seen my daughter test and be 26. 
And, you know, we'll throw 30 carbs at that. Like I'm not, I'm not going to waste just one juice box because I know that's not going to fix it. But when you have that experience with hypos and say, okay, like I know, I know now how to respond to something in the 40s or the 30s. I don't want her to be in the 20s ever again. And nothing says that if she hits that same number, that her body will respond the same way. But I've developed confidence in knowing, you know, that, that it's okay, and we can deal with this. Um, and I have a, a coworker who is actually diagnosed around the same time, the same age that my daughter was. And, you know, he's, he's my age now or closer to my age. And so he's been really good, you know, to, to kind of, you know, to be able to say like, you know, Gretchen, like you need to like take a breath and calm down and it's going to be okay. And stop, like, stop thinking, stop, like just stop. Um, and so it's those voices of experience where, you know, we've talked about it where, you know, he, from his perspective as the person who has um, type one versus mine parenting it. Um, but to have somebody to say, you know, okay, look, like it's, it's going to be okay. And just, just stop and stop and think and, and figure out how to respond from there. So there's, there's um, two really great, there's two really great thoughts in there. Right. And the first one is, is that you, you do have to, not just you, but you just have to relax a little bit. And, and the other one is that if you can't a common theme in my life, <laughs> just, just relax. But if you, if you can't, I'm a little crazy and I might need to relax. If you can't figure out how to handle some slightly low or low blood sugars, then that fear of never wanting to be in that place will let you happily accept 180 or 200 like it's okay. Right. And so what yeah. you, all you've done is trade bad health tomorrow for good for for less worry today. And, yeah. and that's that's not okay. I don't think. And that's what I know? that's what I touch on too when people say like, "Well, why like if why do you why do you get up if she's high during the night?" And it's like, "Well, because when she's my age, like I don't want her to have problems with her kidney or liver or eyes. Like, you know, it's not just about managing in the moment. It's about making sure that we're making, you know, trying to keep her body with that homeostasis that her body is, you know, is craving for. People, um, people like to think that those, those possible, you know, situations are things that never, it, it's, listen, how does somebody put a cigarette in their mouth and say, I'm never going to get lung cancer. Like, like, you know, there's, there's some general human thing that just feels like we're going to be okay. Like it, it, by the way, if you didn't have that, we'd all just lay around in a pile and wait to die. So you have to have that feeling like it's not going to happen to me. I'm going to be okay. I can cross the street. I'm not going to get hit by a car. I could smoke this cigarette. I'm not getting lung cancer. A little bit of high yeah. blood sugar is not going to be me, but I, you know, there are people I could bring on this podcast to talk to you about their dialysis and let you know what it's yep. like to go to dialysis all the time. And, yep. and, and it's not to say that it's going to happen to you. It's to say that if you are a one eight, listen, my blood sugar right now is probably 80. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't have, I haven't eaten anything yet today and I don't have diabetes. So that means if your kid's blood sugar is at 240 or your blood sugar is at 240 right now, it is triple what somebody who doesn't have diabetes their blood yeah. sugar is it, it, okay. Your body's gotten used to it. And you don't feel horrible anymore when it's high. That doesn't mean something isn't happening that one day isn't going to be a problem for you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you hear three beeps right now. You're doing a podcast sitting in your car. You've got three beeps. I haven't heard you panic one time. Like, like, no, because I know where I have my threshold set at. Yeah, right. And she's eating <laughs> and now, right? Felt that so, way because yeah, yeah, exactly. And I knew where she was at walking into that meal um, and now that you said that, I'm going to look. So now, I mean, she bolused, um, probably about 15, 20 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's currently sitting at 90 and it's flatlined. Yeah, um, so you know, so it, at some point it's, and the 
listen, the icy truck shows up at camp every day. So there's a really good chance she's going to be throwing some ice cream on top of all of this. You know, she, she's the more, the afternoons are usually pretty good. It's the morning times. And then, you know, like I said, last night, the bottom kept dropping out from under us. So I kind of am anticipating some, um, some hypo today, just because it takes us, um, time to recover after we've had some, some low lows. Um, but that beep doesn't get my attention. It's that urgent hypo alarm. Yeah. That's the, like, I am halfway down the hall before I've even opened my eyes. If that goes off in the middle of the night. Um, and that's, that's the only thing that really causes me to panic now is that, that tone. And the only time that I panic is if I can't get a hold of her. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and I think that's one thing too, right? So, I mean, like the first six months of this diagnosis, it is such a whirlwind. And in the last six months of the first year, like I was panicking a lot less and I felt, you know, I just felt better and I understood and we kind of had our feet back underneath us. Um, but I had gone to lunch with a coworker and we were driving and I missed the hypo alarms. And I only heard the urgent low and she was in school at the time, but I looked and on my phone, she was, I want to say like 50 and double arrow down and I couldn't get a hold of the school, school nurse. And so, and I was texting the nurse, I'm calling her office. I called the front office and somehow got transferred to the superintendent's office. And now like, I'm just panicking because I cannot get a hold of my child. Um, and the nurse finally called me back and said that my daughter had felt the hypo. She'd come down to the office. She tested, she grabbed two juice boxes. Um, and I think she was probably in the thirties when she like recognized that she was hypo. Um, and she started to drink, um, to drink two juice boxes. And I guess somebody from the office, like, she finally went out and said, Hey, I just want to let somebody know I'm in the nurse. And, and they, you know, they asked what was going on. She's like, Oh, I'm hypo. And they're like, well, you can't treat until the nurse gets back. And she goes, no, I can. And she just kept drinking her juice, you know? <laughs> so, but it's, that's kind of, that was, that was good for me because it was a reminder that she, like, I'm dependent on the technology. She's not she like, she, she knew she was hypo yeah. and she knew she needed to test. And when she saw the number, like she intuitively, knows when she needs two juice boxes and not just one um you know and so and i've heard her call that like she's been up in a room before and she'll yell down like get two juice boxes ready um and i don't question her you know she knows what she needs um so but that kind of stuff is good because it's like all right like i was kind of freaking out but she felt it and she knew what to do and it's okay um and that's the kind of stuff too that you know because she tells me that i hover which i probably do but i also remind her that i hover because you know you forget to bolus a meal, you know? And so you'll, you'll tell me that I'm driving you nuts and then you don't manage this. So if you don't want me to hover, like instead of asking me a question or, you know, asking me what you should do, tell me what you, where you are, what you're getting ready to do and what you think you should do. And I'll either tell you yes, no, or, you know, maybe so. Um, so we're starting to try to work with her to get her to think about this so that she can manage independently. Um, because I do want that for her. And, and, you know, again, too, her babysitter, I think it was 11 when she was diagnosed. Um, and I want to say she's 15 now. She has always managed pretty independently. And, you know, so it's, it's, I want her to work towards that, but I don't want to do it at the expense of her, her A1C or her health down the road. So, you know, she was 16.4 at diagnosis at her one year checkup. I was expecting the A1C to be pretty high. She came in at a 6.1. And so it's like, all right, so if we hadn't had those like it was like a month where I didn't really appreciate how, how high she had been, how often. So it's like, we, I mean, we were doing really good and we've had really good A1Cs the entire year. 
the highest one has been a 6-4. And I remember at the time when the nurse told me, because I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a good number. And she said it was 6-4. And I, my initial reaction was disappointment. And then like I had to stop and check myself and say, that's a 6-4. Like that's still a really good number. Um, and yeah. so, yeah. And so then the nurses, you know, sure that she's still allowed to be a kid and you know blah 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 and I'm like no no we celebrate good A1Cs with Pepsi and chocolate chip cookies right <laughs> so like she's still Gretchen, like, let, me, let me tell you let me tell you that the other night Arden came home from softball practice and there were donuts in the house and she was like mm -hmm. oh my god can I have a donut and I was like yeah sure so we work on I give her insulin for the donut do a little pre-balls tell her just wait a you know a couple minutes she has a donut then the donut goes away. Now, donuts are not a big, like, something that happens in my house very often. Like, I was yeah. even like, how are they here? But, it, it, okay, maybe 20 minutes later, Arden says, wouldn't anyone else like Chinese food for dinner? <laughs> so we had donuts and Chinese food yeah. in the same night, and yep. it was fine. You, you know, so, yeah. but, and listen, I have to tell you, we're, we're pretty far over an hour now. You are, oh, wow. and I, I mean this in a really good way. You are super chatty. And so oh, I really am. <laughs> so this is going to be one of those episodes for all you people who email and say, I talk too much sometime here. Gretchen has covered you for that. I have not said 45 words. So um, no, you probably haven't. <laughs> but we I could listen to my, I could listen to myself talk all day, Scott. <laughs> but I really do. I appreciate you coming on. Just, we we're we're pretty far over time. That's all. So um, yeah, no, I, cool. I, I wanted to say thank you very much for doing this and for sharing your story with, um, you know, with your family, it, it, it obviously will help somebody else um, to hear somebody who's as kind of hyper vigilant as you are, but still understanding I need to relax a little bit, but you're getting yeah. good results from paying attention. Um, you know, there's a lot of good information in this hour. So I, I just really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate the, the time and the effort that you put in because this has been for me um, kind of one of my go-to sources, and so I, you know, I appreciate and thank you for what you do. No, it's my pleasure, and thank you for being the first person to record the podcast from their car. That was really cool. I am, I am sweltering. I have to tell you, at one point in time, like I saw something out of my peripheral vision, and there was like a stink bug on my window right by my face. And if you, <laughs> if we would have been doing this by video, it would have been hysterical because my response was way too dramatic. All right, so everyone, so we're gonna let Gretchen out of this because the fire company is about to come and break her windows <laughs> and let her out of the car. So, um, so right, thanks well, so listen, much. Have a great day, you and uh, I, I hope Arden's team rocks it through the rest of the season. Uh, I think I Jersey, that. Jersey produces some really good softball and baseball team so i don't know what this it is, is a, but a good place to be active yeah, no kidding okay thanks so much gretchen i'll talk to you soon all right have a good one bye 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 a huge thank you to omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the podcast go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo to learn how you can start using the omnipod today thanks to gretchen for you know sitting in her car and recording the podcast that was really cool also coming up soon more wonderful episodes of the juice box podcast i have so many of them recorded i'm looking at them here each one more fantastical than the next i've clicked around we're gonna talk to brad we're gonna talk to joanne we're gonna talk to ashley we're gonna talk to let's see who else mindy rick christelle sarah jeff so many to choose from coming soon